0: Um, We had a great trip. Those of you that do not know, we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. So we went down to uh, the Ocean City area. And as I put in the bulletin this morning, we were also in the Delaware area and uh, worshipped with the church down there where a lot of you know Bill Eccles, where they attend, as I mentioned in the bulletin, and uh, I even was able to preach there during this past week and the latter part of the week voice uh, is slowly coming back. And on that note, bear with me this morning if it's still a little rough, and I appreciate that. Let me join with Wes and encourage you to be back this afternoon at 4 o'clock. There is a doctrine that is spreading through the country, has even affected this area, talking about when we should gather as Christians, when we should assemble together, when we should take the Lord's Supper, as we've just done a few moments ago, and uh, so it is It is a timely topic, and we're going to be debating that, talking about why, you know, defending what we do and both uh, doing that and talking about why others see things differently. So you might want to be back at 4 o'clock today and, and uh, study some of that with us. One last note before I get into it, we do have visitors, and we're glad you're here. I know we have some from a little distance away, both north and south of us, but we're glad you're with us. And if you're from the area, especially, and you're visiting with us, we hope you'll want to come back uh, and be with us all the time. And I hope we encourage you to do that. Without any further delay, I'll get into the lesson. This morning, we are continuing to talk about our theme. This, this quarter, we have been emphasizing truth in my church. And this morning, <clears throat> I want to talk about the idea of traditions and uh, to use a phrase, hold The traditions are holding the traditions as opposing to breaking them. And uh, we'll talk about both. But let's talk about traditions this morning. And as we get into this, I hope, as we get into this, there we go, back up there. What is a tradition? I want you to listen carefully to the definition because it really is important when we talk about traditions to know exactly what they are. Literally, the word means a handing down or a handing over of something. It is from a term, and notice this, it's interesting. It is from a term, the act of giving up or even the surrender in war of cities. In other words, if someone attacked a city and they conquered it or they conquered the the opposing party, when the city was surrendered, giving over, giving up the city... That would be the idea of tradition. Now, we never use that term that way, and yet the Bible does. If you notice what I put up here, it's derived from a technical term that was used of legal authorities handing over someone into the custody of another. And we see the word used that way several times during the night of the betrayal when they talk about arresting Jesus. Jesus being given up by Judas, etc. Jesus being given over to the Jewish authorities there, that literally is the word tradition and are the, the verb form of the word tradition. So we never think of it that way and yet the idea in that of giving up, handing down, giving over, that really is the biblical idea of the word tradition. So it came to mean, now that's where it started, what I was talking about, but it came to mean a teaching that was handed down a commandment that was given over to uh, a group, say, a narrative, and so forth. Handed down or handed over from one generation to the next. Maybe not into, you know, to an authority, but one generation to the next. And literally, it is the idea of handing down a teaching, a commandment, etc., or placing it into the custody, the care, the safekeeping, of another generation. And we understand that. And this word is used, for example, in, uh, if you'll turn over with me to 2 Peter chapter 2. You can see it there. And I want to read a couple of verses here. So 2 Peter chapter 2, and go down to verse 21. You can see this word used. When it says, It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Uh, yeah, that's the right verse. That after they have known it, uh, to turn from the Holy Commandment. And here's the idea. Here's the word tradition. The Holy Commandment delivered unto them. So Peter is talking about people who go back. People who do not continue to keep the safekeeping. Or the care of the commandment. But you notice how the idea is delivered unto them. Go back to 2 Timothy 2. When Paul is writing this last letter before he dies. And even mentions the fact that he's about to die. He says to Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, verse 1. Now notice verse 2. And the things that you have heard among, of, uh, the things you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit. Here's the idea of Paul has handed it down to Timothy, placed it in his custody, his safe, for safekeeping. Now he wants in turn for him to commit it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So this is the idea of a tradition. The idea of handing down something, handing over something. Now let's take that a little bit further and, and continue to talk about the way we view traditions. Traditions are beliefs, are teachings. That's the way we use them. We never, we never use it, this idea of you know, taking into custody someone or surrendering a city. But we use it for beliefs or teachings that are handed down. And they're very special to us. I mean, we can talk about family traditions. No doubt, if I went around the room and I said and I were to bring up holidays or different things like that, and I said, what do you do? What does your family do? You know, for example, Thanksgiving, what do you guys do? And like as not, there would be some tradi- traditions in that. You would start talking about what you've always done. Perhaps you talk about what you do because your parents did it. And maybe your parents, even when they were doing it and telling you about it and really building up the importance of doing some certain thing, they may tell you how their parents did it, even their grandparents. That's the way we use the word tradition. It is a tradition, we say. We have a tradition, we say. And what we mean by that is we are practicing something we've been taught that's been handed down to us. Now, Traditions may originate with man, like that. In other words, at Thanksgiving you may always have a turkey. You know, just saying something like that. And you may have a turkey because traditionally that's what you've always eaten on Thanksgiving. Or you may always go to grandmother's house because that's the tradition, or whatever it might be. And they can originate with man. Let's go back to Matthew 15 and see an example in the Bible of a tradition that originated with man. And if we go to Matthew 15 and drop down with me, or begin with me at verse 1, and notice when it says, Then came Jesus," then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress? Now notice this. Why do they break the, the uh, tradition of the elders? And what were they doing? Well, they weren't washing their hands. It had become a tradition, a teaching. Now, we, we might think of washing your hands before you eat as just something you ought to do. And, and that's true. But like as not, you were taught to do that. I, I, probably as a little kid, just like me, and, and maybe everybody here, you can remember your mom, your dad, some older person telling you, wash your hands before you eat. They were teaching you. Well, to the Pharisees and to the scribes, this was a tradition handed down. Now, you and I understand germs. And dirty hands and all of that, they would not have known about germs. But someone had decided it was a good idea. Some group had decided it. We don't know. But it had been taught and passed down. And now, when the Pharisees and scribes observe that Jesus' disciples are not washing their hands before they eat, they raise a question about it. You know, that happens today. If you and I are so ingrained with some teaching, some idea, and we see someone not doing that, we may immediately question it. For example, when I first became a Christian, I've told you many times, I didn't know much. And I had not been a Christian not even a year, and I moved to Florida. I wanted to go to a Bible school down there. Long story short, I went out and began to worship at another congregation besides the home congregation where I had been. And the first thing that happened was the order, and what I mean by order is so many songs, then do the Lord's Supper, then do the giving, and all of that kind of thing. We did it a certain way at Damble Road in Decatur. But you see, I was a new member of the church. And I'd never really been anywhere else. And I'd never really thought about, I think I'd been to one other congregation, and they had to do it The same way we did it at Danville Road. But when I got to Florida, they did it totally different. The Lord's Supper, instead of the beginning, was at the end. That kind of thing. And immediately a flag went up in my head and said, wait a minute, this isn't right. This is not how you're supposed to do it. And I questioned it. What about doing it that way? And so someone studied the Bible with me and showed me that there is no order as long as you do the thing. Doing it is what's important, but the order of when we do it and how exactly we do it in that sense of what time of the service and all of that, that's just something that originates with us. We make a decision. But you see, man can origin, Man can have an idea that he thinks is good and begin to pass that down, and it may get to the point like it did with these scribes and Pharisees that not following that tradition in the mind of the people becomes breaking a commandment. Now, let's read it here. How come your disciples don't wash their hands? He answered, verse 3, and He said unto them, Why did you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? So Jesus said, let's just cut to the chase here, and let's ask the question, where the commandment or the teaching or the tradition originates. You're talking about something that originated with man. I want to talk about something that originates with God. Well, I've got a missing uh, little R there. But I want to talk about something that originates with God. Let me try that again. No, it's not going to do it. Alright. So a tradition can originate with man. Paul will make reference to this in Colossians 2. The traditions of men. But a tradition may originate with God. Notice what Jesus was saying here. Why do you transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Honor father and mother, and he that curses father and mother, let him die the death. You say, and we're going to talk about this idea of what they were doing. But notice traditions can originate with God. Turn over with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now let's read what he said, what Paul says here. Now notice how Paul is differentiating something that originates with God and the need to hold that tradition. Let's read this. Start in verse 13. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit, notice, and belief of the truth. You and I become Christians. We remain Christians. We are saved Because we believe the truth. Verse 14, Whereunto He, God, called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now Paul is making it clear here. You believe the truth. You obeyed the gospel. You were called by God through the gospel. Therefore, verse 15, Brethren, stand fast, he says. Hold the tradition. What's he saying? Paul is saying there is something that was handed down to you. Something that was handed over to you through the gospel. It is the truth. You believed it. You obeyed that gospel. That's what was handed down to you. That's what was handed over to you. Paul is saying, I didn't come along and tell you. I was a Pharisee. But I didn't come along and tell you, wash your hands before you eat. I didn't give that tradition to you. I didn't tell you that's what you're supposed to obey. What I told you and what I taught you is the gospel, the truth. Hold those traditions. So he says, hold the traditions which you have been taught, notice, whether by word, that is literally speaking it, or epistle, or our epistle. So notice the difference, if you will, between what Paul is saying and what the scribes and Pharisees were saying. Paul is saying you were taught by word of mouth, and he literally taught them, by word of mouth or you read it in one of the epistles. Maybe they had received a copy of the the letter to the Galatians and read that. But whether you got it by word of mouth or epistle from me, an apostle, us that are inspired, whether you got it from us, continue to believe it, continue to hold it, Because it is coming from God. Now on the other hand, go back to Matthew 15 again and note the difference there. What the Pharisees are raising is an objection to the disciples not washing their hands, but notice what they cite as authority in verse 2. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They're not saying the tradition of the prophets. They're not saying what was handed down by God through the inspired writers. They're saying the elders, the old people, the old time, the people that came before us. And that's the difference. What happens today with many people, what happens is there is an idea. Wow. Okay. So what I need to do, Edward, close this thing out and come back into it. Because it is uh, It is not giving it to me. Just close the whole thing. You want to do it for me? I'll talk, you do it for me. Alright. Try to do it for me anyway. Alright. So. Okay. Is it on there? No, no, no. Yeah, that's it. Okay. I'm telling you, you got the magic touch, man. Alright. That was beautiful. Alright, so let's try this. A tradition may be a good idea in and of itself. I think all of us here would agree washing your hands is a good idea, wouldn't it? A good idea in and of itself. Somebody said a long time before the time of Christ, it's a good idea to wash your hands. It is a good idea. But then someone said, you must wash your hands. Oh, that's different. You see, we might say it's a good idea for us to have the Lord's Supper And then, immediately following the Lord's Supper, for sake of convenience, we make sure we differ, just like Marvin did. We've come to a different time now. We're different. This is not part of the Lord's Supper. But for convenience sake, the guys are already up here. Let's go up, go ahead and take the collection. Where we were in Delaware, they did the Lord's Supper near the beginning of the service, and then at the end of the service, the guys came back up and they did the collection. Some churches do it that way. It's a good idea. Maybe we say this is a good idea. Maybe they say this, that's a good idea. But it's different from saying we have to do it this way. We must do it this way. Like I was saying down at Antioch Church of Christ in Phonotis, Asa, Florida. Wait a minute! Something's wrong here. You guys are not doing the Lord's Supper at the same time in the service that we did it back in Decatur, Alabama. You see... It's something that's handed down. It may be a good, it may even be the best way of doing things. For example, you won't read about these plates and these cup holders and these little cups in the Bible. You just read unleavened bread, fruit of the vine, and that's what you need to be taking. Somewhere a long time ago, somebody came up with this convenient way of doing it, and that's how we do it basically in America. Now, I've been out of the country. And I've been to a very poor church where they had a regular plate and they had a few odds and end cups. Nothing wrong with it. But this is a, convenient, it is a good way to do it. It's a convenient way to do it. And so pretty much, at least in this country, everybody does it this way. Nothing wrong with it unless we get to the point where we look up here and all of a sudden one day we see a, one plate that we took from home with some bread in it, unleavened bread, and three or four cups full of grape juice, and we say, whoa, wait a minute! We don't have those little cups. You see, a tradition is a good idea. It's handed down. People follow that tradition. The problem is, when you start teaching for commandments, the doctrines of men. Now let's go back to Matthew 15 and notice something that was happening with them. They were all fired up about washing their hands same way people get all fired up about all kinds of things. They were holding on to that. Your disciples aren't washing their hands. And that's wrong. But then Jesus said, no, what's wrong is when you start following a tradition that violates the commandment of God. That's when it's wrong. And so what was happening, He says, you know, you've got a commandment, honor your father and mother. You've got a commandment that says he that curses father and mother, let him die the death.' But you say, Whosoever shall say to father or mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be glorified by me, and honor not father or mother. Now we might look at that and say, man, what is he talking about? That you may you've made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. What he was talking about was this. Yeah, back up, back up. What he was talking about was this. They knew they had to support their mom and dad when they got old. And you know, you need to take care of your father and mother. You need to requite your parents, 1 Timothy 5. You need to do for them as they did for you. You know, that kind of thing. But what they were doing is they were saying, you know, I've got this money, or I've got this property, I've got these goods, and I know I need to take care of mom and dad, but I really don't want to get rid of this, you know, whatever prize bull that I've got, or a piece of property I've got. I really don't want to lose that. So even though mom and dad needs it, I'm going to protect myself. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this prize bull down and I'm going to designate it Corban. Mark 7 will tell you that. I'm going to designate it Corban. It is a gift. And when I designate it as a gift, then I don't have to get rid of the prize bull because now it's dedicated to the temple, you see. Now it's dedicated to God. I don't have to sell the bull or get rid of the bull. And even though mom and dad aren't being supported, well, too bad, because God comes first. And they felt good about that. And Jesus said, what you're doing is you've created a tradition of designating something as Corban so you can get out of doing what God tells you to do. That's exactly what they were doing. Washing your hands may be a good idea, but God never commanded it. So even though it's a good idea, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But on the other hand, on the other hand, God said take care of mom and dad. And if you don't take care of mom and dad and you think you can protect yourself by some high and holy, it is a gift, you violated the commandment of God. And that's what he was saying. So traditions, some traditions are harmless. You know, the cups and the flame, it doesn't change any commandment of God. Some traditions are, and they may even be productive. I think it's a pretty productive way of doing what God has commanded us to do. But some have the effect of causing the Lord's Word to be disobeyed. And we can see that in Mark 7 and that whole corban business. you You see the same kind of thing in other situations, just like the Jews will do. Where people see family traditions, you see, or even religious traditions that are obeyed, versus obeying God. For example, when a person emphasizes family, now you know family is important. No question about it. But when a person sees a family tradition as opposed to what God has commanded and chooses family, a holiday might fall, for example, on a Sunday. Or there may be some event, some scheduled that God is commanding us to do and it might interfere with something the family does. It can be anything. It can be some family get-together. Or it can not even be some religious tradition. When I first became a Christian, when I learned the truth, I mean, you know, baptism and the Lord's Supper and all of it, I figured that my family just had never seen that. And somehow, you know, I had missed it. They had missed it. And my idea was, you know, now that I know this, and and I would learn, you know, different things as I studied the Bible, and my first inclination, this is why I became a preacher. My first inclination was run, tell other people about it. And when I ran to the family and I began to talk about it, I began to get things like, well, that's not how my father did it. And I said, but yeah, but God says do this. Do this. Well, that's not how we've always done it. That's not how our family does it. We are not Church of Christ. We are whatever we are. That's not what my father said. That's not what my daddy did. That's not what my mother taught me. That's not what they handed down to me to do. But it wasn't only that. Sometimes holidays did fall on a Sunday. Well, Sunday, you know... I mean, I'm sorry we have this family thing that's been planned for Sunday, but God says, assemble with the saints and take the Lord's Supper and worship God. And they would say, yeah, but it's family. And I would say, yeah, but it's God. But you see how that happens. It's our family. It's a tradition. We always do this. Yeah, but God says. So the question about a tradition, what is a tradition? It's anything that's handed down. But that's not the question. The question is, where did it originate? Who first handed it down? Was it my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, or was it God? That's the question. (coughs) Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But never to hold that as a doctrine. You know, we as a church might have an opinion, and I'm sure we do. I mean, we do things a certain way here, don't we? You know, for example, the Lord's Supper up here. It's our opinion this is a good way to do things. But never to get to the point where we would start dictating to other people this is how you have to do it. How you must do it. It's the commandment to do it. That's equally true of the individual. It's equally true of the church. Many people are too quick To start espousing tradition for authority. But let's talk about authority. We have to be wary of anything that starts with phrases like we've always or I've always. The question is, is that what God wants? Let me just run through a few of these quickly. And see if any of this sounds familiar. When someone says, that's the way my father did it. That's the way my mother does it. That's the way my family does it. Anytime we start, there will be a little bell that goes off in your head and says, okay... That's how we do that. But does it have to be done that way? Okay? So, we might start a phrase with, that's what my friends and I, do. that's how we roll, man. You know? That's how we roll. We, as a little group of friends, we do things a certain way. That's exactly what we do. But is that what God said to do? We might start a phrase with, that's what, and we might talk about some ethnic group. Our social group. You know, I love it down south when people start saying, that's what white people do. You know, That's what black people do. Okay? That's what some ethnic group does. Some social group does. You know, when we start things like that, a few weeks ago we talked about prejudice. And I talked about some of this. Whenever we get to the point where we start grouping ourselves together in some group, divided by ethnicity or social standing or whatever, and then we begin to say, that's what I do because of this. And then, one step further, we begin to look at other people as wrong, because they don't do it that way. Well, what does God say to them? That's the way we, some group or some church. We at East Orange, we've always done it this way. Okay? But is that saying, that's how God wants it done? Or should every one of us in every generation be questioning everything and saying, what does God want? Yes, okay? Not what we've always done. What does God want? That's the way some preacher... You know, I, I would hate to think there's anybody out there ever citing as authority that's what Michael says to do. Michael ain't nothing. Okay? Okay? God says, or some school, even worse maybe, you know, such and such school, the tradition of such and such school, the doctrine, the teaching, what this school believes or stands for, what does God want? Because you see, none of that, mom, dad, ethnic group, school, preacher, or anything else establishes authority, none of it. It's exactly what the scribes and the Pharisees were saying. Your disciples transgressed the tradition of the elders. I can just see Jesus standing there thinking, so what? That's nothing. No, what's important is you violate the commandment of God by your tradition. Because you see, an idea can be a good one, and it may even prove to be the best way of doing things. If it is, fine, but it's not binding unless it's commanded by God in His Word. Our traditions do not come from a man, or a college, or a board, or even a church. They come from Jesus. Let me run through one final thing, and I'm going to talk about this and be mentioning this over the next couple of weeks. What makes a tradition something handed down? What makes that a commandment to be obeyed is where it originates. And that means, did it come from man, did it come from God? How did we get what we have in here? I want you to turn to John 16 for a moment, and I want you to listen to what Jesus said. This is on the night before the crucifixion, the night of the betrayal. And Jesus talks about how you and I are going to get the commandments of God that we have in the Bible. This is exactly what Jesus said. It starts with God the Father. When you read John 16, go down with me to about verse 12. And let me read these verses and then I'll cite them. I have yet or still many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when He, that is the Spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Spirit, has come. He, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. But notice, He won't speak of Himself or from Himself. But He'll speak whatsoever He hears. That's what He will speak. And he'll show you things to come. He, verse 14, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, Jesus says. For he, shall, he, the Holy Spirit, will receive from me of mine. And he shall show it to you, the apostles he was speaking to. But notice verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Remember when Jesus would say after the resurrection, all authority has been given to me? It's given by the Father, and the Father is the only one accepted. First Corinthians fifteen: the Father is not subject to Jesus because the Father gave the authority to Jesus. Notice this in verse fifteen: all things that the Father has are mine, and that therefore I said, He, the Holy Spirit, will take from me and show it to you, the apostles. So, how do we get what we have? Well, it starts with the Father. All things the Father has are mine, and the Father. Gives it to Jesus. John 16, He will take of what is mine, Jesus says. Mine. He will glorify me, and He'll declare it. And Jesus gives it to the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 12 I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear it. So He, the Holy Spirit, will get it from me and give it to you. Now, the Holy Spirit will give it to the apostles. He will guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. Back in chapter 14 and verse 26, He'll bring all things to your remembrance. So the Holy Spirit will give it to you, the apostles. And the apostles, just like Paul was talking about in 2 Thessalonians 2, will give it to us, the people. Hold the traditions you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. And in fact, Paul would go on to say, and you take it and give it to other people. 2 Timothy 2, the same, commit to faithful men. In Ephesians 3 and verses 3 and 4, whereby when you read, meaning this, when you read, you may understand my knowledge, Paul says, what I got from the Holy Spirit, who got it from Jesus, who got it from the Father committed to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that's what's been happening all the way down through the centuries to us. We get it from God by tradition. What's handed down, what's handed over by the apostles. And so we see in Matthew 18 and verses 18 through 20, we can see exactly what Jesus is saying there. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth given to me. Go ye therefore, on that basis, By that, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on to say, teaching them, those disciples, to observe all things that I, Jesus, have commanded you. I have many things to say to you. I'll give it to the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you into all truth. Teaching them. Commit it to them. Hand it down to them. And tell them to teach other people. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. So often we read that passage. So often we hear it. In fact, I don't think I'll, I'll live another day in my life I, without reading 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three 23 and 24 and see Bill Blake up here quoting that. But Paul said, I received it of Jesus and I delivered it to you. That's exactly what this is showing. I got it from Jesus. And I gave it to you. I got it from Jesus when the Holy Spirit guided me into this truth. And I gave it to you. I taught it to you. That's the tradition that's been handed down. That's the tradition that we obey. So when we say hold the traditions. We mean hold the traditions that have been handed down to us. Ultimately from God the Father. Through Jesus through the Holy Spirit, through the apostles, down to us by word and epistle, written in the Bible. And that's what we hope. Anything else may be a good idea. And if someone suggests a, suggests a better way of doing something, then that's great. A better way that does not go against this. A better way that I can simply say, Wow. Oh, I know it doesn't say anything in the Bible about that. Cups, plates. So that sounds like a good way to do it. But when someone says, you know, the church that I came from has always done so and so. And I say, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) God says over here such and such. We don't need to be doing that. That's the difference. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who has all authority. You believe that as the Son of God, we should bow before Him. And you want to confess your belief in Him this morning. Maybe it is that you need to change some things. There may be some practices in your life or things you have not been doing. But you want to change that, repent of that. This morning, you want to be baptized. Because the Lord has commanded that. Because He has taught us that that's what we need to do. And that's what's been handed down through the Word of God. That's what we need to do to have our sins washed away. Maybe you want to do that this morning. And maybe it is that you've done that already. And you look at your life and you say, you know what? I really just have not been living the way I need to be living. And I need to change that. And another thing God has taught us is to pray for one another. Confess to one another. And pray so that we might grow and be better and receive strength and help. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to come. Please come. All the